For those of you who um, want to follow along, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. So you can look at this in the Bible with me. And I know that I've been preaching a very, very direct, very, very hard word, but I believe that this could be one of the most liberating moments of your life. And I've been faithfully toiling in this field for six years now and really praying and fasting and journeying with God to get here. So the stakes are very high. But when I got here, I was so reliant on the Holy Spirit because the things that are happening here, only he can do. This can't be, I can't engineer this. Does that make sense? Like I, I can't just this. And so when I got to this service today, probably the team could feel my holy agitation because I'm like, Lord, we're, t we're, we're riding this bubble and I know it's about to break. Come on, the Holy Spirit is so strong. Do you feel his presence? I'm not being hokey or weird. I'm telling you what right now, this is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna take you through these scriptures. It's okay, I know people are weeping. Just continue to let the Lord minister. Now listen, I have devoted my life to faithfully teaching these scriptures. And I have read them over and over and over again in many translations. And it, it changes you. And so if you're like, man, Pastor Mike, he's different, he's weird. I've never seen a pastor like that. I'm telling you, a lot of pastors do not read their Bible. A lot of pastors, they used to read it and they just draw from memory every week for a sermon. There's a lot of pastors, they don't pray. They have no prayer life, none, not even a little bit. And so I think what you're experiencing is as we continue to go on this journey, I'm changed by the word. I'm changed by this. I'm changed in prayer. Not me changing this, but this changing me. And, and so I think what happens is sometimes these services are going on. You're like, whoa, this is so new. And you're not realizing it's actually old. But you, but you never were in an environment that honored the Holy Spirit. And, and this is what it feels like to honor the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna take you through these verses together. Acts chapter 19, it says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. Now Ephesus would have been probably his third missionary journey. The apostle Paul comes to this new region. Uh, just to give you a little bit of understanding of context of where he's at, one of the seven wonders of the world would have been right there in Ephesus and it would have been this huge stadium that was devoted to the goddess Diana. Diana would be the way that you would say her name in Latin. And so Paul being a little ornery, you know, Paul's edgy, Paul's, uh, I like him. Paul's like, I know the best place to start a church. Let's start it right across the street from that big seventh wonder of the world where everybody worships that false God, where tens of thousands of people fill it up and they buy all these trinkets made by hand and they serve a God who can't hear them. You know, Diana, let's start the church across the street. Don't you like Paul? He's ornery. And so he shows up to start this church, but he's got two groups of people that he has a problem with because he shows up. And I, oftentimes when you get to the destination God calls you, you realize 
almost immediately why he sent you. Paul starts to realize there's two groups of people that are blocking the true move of God, that are blocking the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you what happens while he's there, okay? And so he's now at Ephesus. You could follow along on the screen or just listen to me read this. And there he found some disciples and he said to them, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, he, he goes to Ephesus, this godless place, where they're worshiping this goddess Diana. They're, they're pagan, they're secular. And he finds some, a few disciples. Now, that's the equivalency of coming to Long Island. So it's like you come to Long Island, it's like, hey, I'm a Christian. No way, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. And then, you know, we don't have the temple to Diana, but we have Nassau Coliseum. And the same thing happened in the temple of Diana happens in Nassau Coliseum. In the temple of Diana, they were drinking and there was debauchery, sexual perversion, you know, the same kind of stuff. It's like you get the music going, you get the alcohol flowing, you got people hooking up, you got people doing drugs in the bathroom. That culture is not anything new. It's old. It just changes name. It's just under a different name. It's not, it's not actually the goddess Diana. Now it's just your favorite tour that's coming through the stadium where everybody comes together to make the worst decisions they're going to make that month. Am I right? Am I right? And we don't look at it as worship because it seems so normalized in our culture. But why do you think only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow? Because everybody else, it looks so normal. They thought they were crazy for not participating in it. Oh, come on. I'm coming for you. And so everything in our culture, I picked up a condom. I picked up an ashtray. I mean, here in New York, it's decriminalized to smoke marijuana. And so when you say, hey, listen, I feel like there's a counterfeit comfort here. I'm not denying that those things aren't good and they haven't helped you in some way. But I've got something better than that. Jehovah Rapha, my healer, still heals. But you sound crazy to everybody filling this stadium-sized temple of the goddess Diana and you just got the little church with a handful of your disciples who received Jesus. Don't you see it's just like today? And then, it, then he goes, he asked this question. He said, hey, did you receive, this is Paul. Paul says, hey, I want to ask you, I know you guys believe in Jesus, but did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And you know what they said? They said, no, we haven't even heard it, that there is a Holy Spirit. Like, what are you talking about? Now, some of you might not, right now, you might be like, well, but you know, I was raised Catholic. We learned about the Holy Spirit. I was raised Greek Orthodox. We heard about the Holy Spirit, but I'm not talking about that. What's the baptism you received? Oh, and what he was saying was, how have you been baptized? And they, they were saying, well, we've been baptized unto John's baptism. So this now John the Baptist said, I'm, I'm baptizing you in water unto repentance. So John the Baptist was in the wilderness crying out, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Repent, turn from your wicked ways and be baptized in water symbolically. And so these people are saying, yeah, I have received John's baptism. Now, if you're listening to me right now, you probably have only received John's baptism. Now I'm offending you, but I'm telling you the Bible. 
Why? Because within Catholicism, you bet you're baptized with water. In Greek Orthodox tradition, you're baptized with the sprinkling of water. You know, you've gone to the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Baptist, and you were baptized in water. You've received John's baptism. And you may have heard about the Holy Spirit, but were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you see the question that Paul's asking? And what happens is, can I go a little bit deeper? What happens is that at most churches, we actually don't even ever repent. We only confess because we have this thing that started less than 100 years ago called the sinner's prayer. That is not really in the Bible. The closest thing you have to the sinner's prayer is Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Savior and you will be saved. But it goes a little bit deeper than that because Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry it daily. And so we're not saved because we pick up the cross, but one of the evidences that he is our Messiah is that we die to self too, and we die to our ways. And so repentance and confession is a different thing. And most of our churches are filled, and they're filled with people that really come into this thing that we're calling a church, but it's actually the power of positive thinking, and it is a self-help group where people admit their sin but never repent. And what happens, can I, guys, I know it's quiet right now, can I keep it 100? A lot of churches, people keep admitting they're addicted over and over and over again, and then they die. They keep, they keep admitting that they're not the best husband over and over and over again. They keep admitting it, and you create this toxic codependency we're calling the church, but it's really a form of godliness denying the power thereof. Now does that scripture make sense? It's a form of godliness. We have incense, stained glass windows, sacrament. It's a form of godliness. We have baptism, sprinkling of water. It's a form of godliness. We have groups that meet and we come around the Bible and read it. It's a form of godliness, but denies the power. Why? Acts chapter one, verse eight. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive. So the power is not in the Bible study. The power is not in the stained glass windows. The power is not in the water, the sprinkling, or the full submersion. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says the power only comes through the Holy Spirit. So you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof because you denied the one who gives the power. Oh, I'm telling you, this is right, right when people want to throw up. Because you're like, but I loved my Bible study. But I loved all that stuff. Just like all these people, this stuff became a part of their identity. You have to be willing to give up things that feel like literally cutting your arm off. You know when Jesus told that man, hey, if your hand keeps sinning, cut your hand off? He wasn't demanding that he actually cut his physical hand off. He was saying just as much identity as you have put in having that hand, be willing to let go of that identity. Because when you lose a limb, your whole identity shifts. What he was actually saying is you're so committed to the identity of being that sinner, be willing to cut it off and be an amputee spiritually. Does this make sense? And so what happens is you've made so much of an idolatry out of, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm, 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 I, 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 I. 
I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High. I'm blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not, I might be your pastor, but I'm not a pastor. I'm just a son of the king looking out for his kids every day of the week. I, oh, come on, somebody. But see, what happens is you've got to come like children because when you come like adults, what are adults? They're trained. What if you were trained out of the kingdom and trained into Christianity? You've got to come like a child because if you come like adults, adults come with degrees. They come with training, seminary, catechisms, liturgy. And sometimes you don't know how to pray from your spirit because you've only ever prayed from your head. As a pastor, I, I, I ask people to pray 35 seconds. We're tapped out because the only time we ever prayed from our spirit was when we were asking for help. And I know this is brutal, but the revival that's happening, can I go a little bit deeper? I wanna show you what happens. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He says, no, like we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And he said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, now watch, I love this part. Upon hearing that, you know what they said? They said, I want the real thing. They said, I want, I want the real thing. Now listen, they were probably baptized unto John and it was this emotional experience. They were probably so excited about the idea that they had this emotional experience, but Paul wasn't talking about emotion. He was talking about spirit. You guys hear me? And he says, upon hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And listen, they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. What if I told you that the reason why you never saw people speaking in tongues in the churches you were raised in was because the pastor trusted the Holy Spirit inside of him but never trusted that same Holy Spirit inside of you. I mean, he trusted the Holy Spirit in him, but he never trusted the Holy Spirit in you. What, what, if, what if he thought maybe people are gonna judge because if we start speaking in tongues and they come in off the street and they've never experienced this before, they're gonna leave the church, they'll never come back. So what ends up happening in most of our churches is we say, how comfortable can we make it to keep the people, but the person you lose is the Holy Spirit. You keep the people, but you lose the Holy Spirit. I would rather make you uncomfortable but the Holy Spirit said, I love spending time with Mike. I love the atmospheres he makes, his atmospheres of forgiveness, atmospheres of healing, atmospheres where people lay their addiction down at the altar. I love being in those atmospheres. I'd rather you hate being in this room, but the Holy Spirit loves this environment. People begin to speak in tongues and they begin to prophesy. And there are about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue for three months and he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. Now, I want to show you something. I didn't say this in the last service. After this moment happened with Paul, it said that he went to the synagogue. So in other words, he found the most religious people he could find. Isn't he ornery? 
So Paul showed up at the Catholic Church for three months. And then he went to the Greek Orthodox Church. Then he went to the Baptist Church. Then he went to the Methodist Church. This is the equivalency of what Paul's doing. And this is what it says. He spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. He didn't ask them to become members of a church. Matter of fact, I don't care if you become a member of V1 Church. We don't have members anyways, we have owners. <laughs> but the thing is, it's possible that you have done a better job of being a church attendee than you have a citizen of the kingdom. See, citizens of the United States, come on, when I flex my passport all around the world, it's a flex, right? It's a flex because of what America stands for. But see, if you're not a citizen of the kingdom, you don't carry the rights of the kingdom. Oh, come on now. So when you go, does somebody else feel the Holy Spirit? The anointing? When I go to another country, they think twice about putting me in jail because the whole United States government backs me up. So when, they, when you go overseas, they're like, you better watch out. He's, he's a citizen of the United States. And it's not about him. It's about what country he carries. And whatever you do to him, you're going to get the largest, most prolific army on the planet. So here's what happens. If you're a kingdom citizen, the devil's like, I would mess with them, but I don't know if I want the full brunt of the army behind him. Come on, somebody, because the servant told the prophet, I went out again and looked, and there's more for us than against us. There's an exceedingly great army. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. Now watch what happens when you illegally do something. Not be, well, you don't have your passport for the kingdom, but you got your membership certificate for your local church. Want me to show you what happens? It's all in the 19th chapter of Acts. It says, and then God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. And then there were some itinerant Jews. In other words, there were some professional ministers with double-breasted three-piece suits who know how to preach real loud. I'm just kidding. There were itinerant ministers who did exorcisms and they undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus. And they told these spirits, this is what they said. They told these spirits, come out, I adjure you. Let me read it exactly. I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Come out, devil, by the Jesus that Paul proclaims. They weren't citizens of the kingdom. They were rogue assassins without a country. You should not be in authority if you cannot be under authority. Come on, somebody. This is the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Kings have a king. Armies have generals who have majors and sergeants and all the way down. And you got people, mom, here on Long Island who want a ministry but don't want a pastor. You got people infiltrating churches to build their own ministry but don't want to be submitted to take a rebuke from a spiritual father. And they want to be in authority, but they don't want to be under authority. But just because you can act, watch me watching online right now because I know it's happening in your region too. Just because you hire a graphic designer to make the logo doesn't mean it's approved by heaven. And you got a lot of churches hurting people because pastors are pastors by title, but not by destiny. 
you better think real hard because let me show you what happened to these itinerant Jewish ministers. And it says they were trying to cast out demons. They were the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva, and they were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them and saying, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who is you? That's the Mike Six translation. Now watch. This is what I'm saying. If you belong to a local church and you have a pastor and you are under submission to that ministry, you are recognizable in the kingdom. But if you're out there on your own, you are unrecognizable by the demonic. They don't recognize people who do not have coverings. They, demons don't respond to that. Demons, res matter of fact, when Jesus was casting demons out, they responded to Jesus and they said, we are legion for we are many. You know what the demons were saying? We are organized like a Roman military structure. And you got some demonic entities organized better than most local churches. <laughs> I promise you this ends well. But I've got to... I've got to separate soul from spirit because you know why these people start these ministries without a pastor? Because they were hurt by a pastor. Oh, come on. So you think that just because your husband hurt you, you can have sex out of wedlock? So you can break a covenant because somebody else didn't treat you right? This is the Bible, y'all. Now listen, I'm, I'm coming up to the good news, but I'm trying to get you out of the lie because we are rising up in a revival culture right now and we got to administrate the gifts of God and we have to administrate what God's doing. Can I go a little bit deeper? These demons, but the evil spirit answered them, said, I don't even know you. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all, and then overpowered them. And then they fled out from that house naked and wounded. So the men that came without a covering were actually beat up bad. And then this is the best part. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. In other words, the, the hearing upon, upon hearing these deliverances, the name of Jesus was elevated higher. Can I just tell you, the same friends that you have saying, oh, that stuff happening at V1 Church is weird. They also have paid psychic mediums to read readings over their life. They've done a Ouija board and had all their friends over it, mysteriously moving it under some spiritual form. Your friends are doing weirder things. What if I told you when your friends are condemning what you're doing in church, what if I told you it's not always their voice? Could you be having conversations with the demonic because see, if you told your friend, I went to go get a reading and it was so powerful. I took crystals and did this. I've talked to people who've gone to music concerts, which the festivals are beginning to become more like this. What you do, because I, I've, I've talked to many people at music festivals. They go into a tent and they put crystals, they put rocks on them. They begin to enter this thing. I've done so many deliverances on people, but it's funny how we normalize those spiritual experiences but then somebody who's worshiping Jesus, somebody who's given their life to the local church and serving God, then they're the problem. We're weird.
get out of here. It wasn't weird when you ripped your shirt off in Yankee Stadium and painted your entire chest and drank so much alcohol it would have actually killed a small horse. But that's not weird. But it's weird when I get excited about Jesus forgiving me, saving me, setting me free. Come on, promising me eternal life. Like you've normalized the demonic. It's time to normalize revival. It's time to normalize worship. Come on, somebody. Break free from condemnation and guilt and shame break free from their opinion those same people wouldn't even write you a check if you got kicked out of your apartment right now and they call you family some of them may never helped you move out to another some of these people have never even helped you but you're living under the cloud of their condemnation be free calling me weird come on i got one last thing because this is what happened the name of the lord began to increase and a number of those who practice magic arts they brought their books together and they burned them in the sight of all somebody say all see right now having you guys bring this stuff up front that's what happened it wasn't private everybody oh pastor moses i want to have a private deliverance with you well unfortunately no deliverances are recorded in scripture as private they're all public because sometimes it requires humility to say I'm desperate now I don't care what people think don't you're gonna have to see me throw up now because I don't care anymore listen you publicly got intoxicated you publicly cheated on your spouse you publicly lied on your taxes you publicly met why don't you publicly if we can sin publicly there should be public salvation public deliverance public freedom I will not deny my Jesus. If I'm ashamed of him on Long Island, he'll be ashamed of me in heaven. I'm not ashamed of him. Come on. Praise God. Because this is what you see happening in Scripture. Okay. They brought their magic books together and they burned them in their sight. Now, this is the important part, though. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver, which all the modern historians say that that's roughly equivalent to a couple of millions, a couple of million of U.S. dollars. So imagine this, all this witchcraft and sorcery and all these these books of incantation spells, all dedicated to the, uh, the, the temple of Diana, this goddess, they brought them all and begin to burn them millions of dollars of books but that also represented them saying i don't care anymore if what people think because i have found a true power source i think about you know when you look at this crystal if you go into whole foods right now whole foods a grocery store a grocery store you can find, go, go find it. Tag me on Instagram in the pictures. You can find books for tarot card readings. You can find books for horoscopes in the new age, but you can't find a Bible. And, and listen, I'm not hating because you can't find the Quran either. You know, they're equal opportunity offenders. McDonald's recently actually partnered, McDonald's corporate partnered with the largest astrologist on TikTok and did live readings for people. McDonald's. Remember the days where you used to get a toy from McDonald's? Do you remember those days where you got Kermit the Frog in a Happy Wheel? Why in the world is corporate McDonald's giving me a psychic reading through TikTok? But I'm telling you, it's the new age because they're not, your sons and daughters are not becoming atheists. 
they're becoming spiritual but not religious because they went to a church that never allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to work. They, they know that there's a power. And you know what? They say terms like manifest. I'm going to manifest something into existence, which is also demonic in nature. Because here's the thing. I don't want to get everything that my mouth can utter. Matter of fact, the answering all of my prayers would make me God and destroy my life. Matter of fact, my God, Jehovah Jireh, will provide all of my needs. But if he gave me all of my wants, it might destroy me. I'm actually thankful for the prayers he didn't answer. And so I don't want to manifest. I want to be submitted. That's where submission comes in. I want to submit to God and say, God, you give me what you want to give me and you reject if I didn't pray according to your will, but a whole generation. Gimme, 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 gimme. Crystals will give me. Gone are the days of I'm a, I'm a Christian businessman. I have a business with Christian principles. That's not enough because now you're trying to get God to serve your thing. It's not a business with Christian's principles. It is your life 100% in submission to God. And you say, God, this is a kingdom business. And whatever you will through it, you will. These employees, are they belong to you. The finances belong to you. God, it's deeper than that. And for so long, we've become pagan. And when you read Acts chapter 19, these are the two audiences Paul had. And then we're going to pray. He had all of these people worshiping a false god that couldn't hear them in one of the seven wonders of the world. It was that big of a stadium. That was one group. But then he had these other group of Christians who were only religious and they received the baptism in water but never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And both of those were barriers to what God wanted to do. So he started with the Christians. And then after the Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you what happened because it's so powerful. They begin to now go and they continue to increase. Okay, no, this is powerful. They brought all of their stuff together and they just begin to burn it. And they continued, the value of them was a couple million dollars. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and it prevailed mightily. Would you stand to your feet with me? Because right now, I've got to ask you the question that Paul asked the Christians that had only received the baptism of John, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I didn't ask you how many church services you've attended. I didn't ask you how much money you've given. I didn't ask you if you had a moment baptized in water. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're questioning it, you have not. I will tell you that. If you're questioning it right now, like, have I? You have not. Because there is a dividing line in your life and you will know where you were and when it happened. When I was 15 years old, I read this passage. I sat up in my bed at 843 175th Street in Hammond, Indiana. And I said, Holy Spirit, if you're real, baptize me now. I'm telling you what, it felt like a wind came through the room and I began to speak in other tongues. It didn't happen in a church. It didn't happen with a piano player and a preacher, but it happened with an open, open heart. God, if you want it, I want it. I'm humble before you. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. All I can tell you is I was able to do things I couldn't do after that happened. I, all I can tell you is, it, is I, there were things I couldn't do and then I could do them. It's called grace. 
Right now, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Where's my wife? Jules, come on up. Here, take this. Now, I want to explain something to you because right now we're going to get ready to be baptized in the Holy Spirit from the front to the back and you're going to experience one of the most incredible things you've ever experienced because the Holy Spirit's gonna come and baptize you. It's just like when you think about going full immersion into water and you come up, it's like when you're above water, you're breathing oxygen. When you go underwater, full submersion, like in a water baptism, it's a complete change of atmosphere. The temperature changes. Everything comes and swirls around you. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the best way I can compare it to is like full submersion in water. And all of a sudden, the Bible says you will speak in tongues. And oftentimes in the book of Acts, simultaneously, people would prophesy. Now, the tongues that they're talking about is languages. Tongues is the old word for languages, okay? And so what that means is people would speak primarily in just two languages, either the language of angels, which is a heavenly language, which means we don't know. Nobody here knows. Nobody has ever known that language. It's a language only known by heaven. Paul talks about that. And sometimes you could be speaking in this language and you're communing and the Holy Spirit is doing things through you and rearranging circumstances in your life. And it's an incredible thing to speak in the tongues of angels, the Bible calls it. But then there's another tongue. It's the tongue of men. In other words, the languages that are known to men. I've told this story often, but I was in college and I was speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit was enabling me. And it sounded like Italian. I took it back to my Italian professor and she said, where did you get this? And I said, what is it? And she said, this is archaic. I'm an, she was a, a scholar. And she says, this is Italian, but it's ancient Italian that's not taught anymore. And what you're saying over and over again is Sarah, I will wash you clean. Sarah, I will make you whole. My sister's name is Sarah. So you can't tell me that, that God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't give the gift of tongues and does mysterious things. I've had friends that have gone over to Pakistan and they've preached over there and literally begin to speak in tongues and spoke in dialects of terrorist organizations telling them, put your guns down and begin to minister the gospel to them in a tongue they could have never learned. And I know this sounds crazy, but what happens is we've, we've tried to kidify them, make it all safe and put it in a little box and put a bow on it called religion. But the real thing is the Holy Spirit. So Julie represents the Holy Spirit. That's a prince. You're the best representation I have, babe. So you're, you represent the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has a gift for me. And this gift is called tongues speaking in other languages and this gift is called prophecy that's what it's called and she wants to give me this gift so you try to give me this gift no I went to a Pentecostal church where they were all loud and demonstrative and emotional and they abused it okay try to give me prophecy no somebody gave me a prophecy one time it was wrong it was so foolish it was stupid I don't want that anymore okay try to give no I said no I don't want it 
I, I don't want that gift. It's weird. They never taught that growing up. Just get away from me. See, to reject the gift is to reject the gift giver. So I'm not here just because I want you to speak in tongues. I'm here to honor the Holy Spirit. I'm here to honor the gift giver. Whatever he wants to give you, I want him to give it. If he wants to give you the gift of healing, I'm honoring the gift giver. If he wants to give you the gift of tongues to speak in other tongues, I will not reject the gift because I will not. I cannot reject the gift giver. I'm honoring the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands towards heaven if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What we're going to do right now, we're not going to earn it. The Bible declares that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means you cannot earn the gift of tongues. You cannot earn the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You come in this moment with your hands lifted up and he is going to distribute the gift. He's going to actually baptize you. So with every hand lifted from front to back, I'm gonna count to three. On the count of three, I'm gonna pray that the same thing that happened 2,000 years ago when Paul began to pray, they says they were, they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. You can't earn this, you only receive it. And on the count of three, when I say three, I don't want any English, I don't want any Spanish. I want you exclusively, exclusively to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. This is Pentecost, are you ready? And you just let it out from your belly. Rivers of living water will flow from your belly. The Holy Spirit's gonna baptize you. One, two, three, now, now, just begin to speak it out. Begin to speak it out. Baptize them, Holy Spirit. Hey, from the front to the back, in every home, speak it out. Holy Spirit, baptize them. Overflowing, overflowing.